Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Now, and what I want to do in this series is show everyone how much they have grown over the last little while. If you, were to, if you were to go back maybe five years or even two years, even one year, you'll notice how much you've grown since then. If you start to look at what you're actually doing now as, as opposed to what you did back then, you'll see that God has taken you through a journey where you are actually growing uh, then and now, hence the name then and now. But what we want to preach about is actually what can sometimes happen is as we're going through the processes of life, we can get stuck. And we can actually stunt our growth depending on our own decisions and, and, and the stuff that, that we do during those difficult moments. So we, we want to give you some keys and help you to go through those moments and actually use them to grow. The, the, the subtitle of my message today is hashtag your life. Hashtag your life. And here's a question that I have for you. If you were to hashtag your life, right, so far, and if it was to go viral, like across the universe of the internet, everybody in the world saw it, okay? And it was a, ha it was a picture and a series of hashtags that, that kind of described your life up until now. What would you put? What would you put? Would you put just positive stuff? Or would you also add in the negative stuff? I know for me, I would be pretty, I, I would find it difficult to actually write out all of the negative stuff. I'd be happy to put down all of the positive moments, you know, all the pictures and all of the stuff, all those great things that have happened, all of the great things where we've achieved something, where we've done something, where we've gone for something and done it. But, but, but we, we, we would want to leave out some of those hashtags that would say bad things about us. You know why? Because we don't want to get marked by those. We don't want those things to be our hashtags. We don't want those things to be the reference points to our lives. I don't think we would want to include all of our failures, our weaknesses, our fears, our troubles, our mistakes. I'd definitely be leaving out some of my mistakes. Our uncontrollable circumstances. No, we, we, we'd, we would definitely, definitely want to leave some of those things out. Because we would want to be able to, we would want to project something that is positive. We would at least want to project that we are winning, that we have victory in life. At least we could, we could give off the perception of positivity. And I'm not saying that our lives are kind of overly negative or bad, but, but, but we don't want to show those things really. Because we never, ever want to give off the perception that we're failing. We never ever want to show that we're not making it. And I, I think there's a reason, I think there's an underlying reason behind this. And that reason is this. We are afraid of these failures. We're afraid of these, these fears. We're afraid of these weaknesses. Because we're afraid that that's what we truly are. You know, it's really hard when our failures confirm how we truly feel about ourselves. So we avoid it. We avoid failure. We avoid our fears. We don't want to talk about it. 
We don't want to uncover that to anybody. We don't, want to, we don't want to see those things. We don't want anybody else to see them. Because those things, actually, when you, when you strip them back, we don't like the confirmation that we already feel about ourselves that we can't do it, that we haven't got the goods, that we really are not really all that. And you know, our mind, if our mind was like a computer... It's not really like a computer. I think God has created a machine in our brains that is way more complex, or a machine in our brains, a machine called our brains that is way more complex than any computer. But, if, but it's almost like our minds do hashtag things. Every time that we see something that reminds us of our fears, that reminds us of our failure, that reminds us of our weakness, it's like our brain just marks it and makes reference of all of those things and we get reminded Because we have this fear. We have this underlying feeling that really these things that we can't make right, these things that we can't get right, these failures, they say something about us. Now, the Bible talks about this in many ways. It doesn't talk about hashtags because, well, 2,000 years ago, hashtags weren't a thing. They are now. But Jesus... And the Bible, it talks about these sorts of moments where people think that they've been marked by a moment, think by, that they've been marked by failure in their life, or they think that they've been marked by weakness in their life, when really they haven't. They think that that's all that Jesus can see, but really Jesus can see something way more. I want to show you, there's a story about Peter. You may have heard about the Apostle Peter. He was one of the disciples that walked with Jesus. And he became the leader of all the disciples after Jesus left. The thing about Peter is he was a, he was a loudmouth. He was that guy in the crowd that always used to talk. He was the first to speak up. And sometimes he would be that one that, that everyone was like, you know, I, I would just wish we could say, say a few things when they're finished. He was that guy which is fine, there's nothing wrong with those personality types, there's nothing wrong with that, but, but Jesus wanted to show Peter that it's okay that he was weak. And I think Jesus allowed a situation in Peter's world to teach him a lesson. And I think Jesus does the same things for us. He, he allows things in our world to happen so that he can actually teach us a lesson. Let's pick it up. It's in Luke chapter 22, verse 54 to 62. Now Jesus has just been captured. He's been arrested. And he's before the court. He's been mistreated. He's been beaten. He's bleeding. He's hurt. This is a moment where he needs his friends the most. Peter's there observing. He's on the side. And let's see what he does. Verse 54, it says, Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. So picture this, it's dark, it's night time, they can't see, they didn't have electricity back then, so they kindle a fire so they can see what's going on. Peter, making use of the fire, goes and sits beside the fire so he can see what's going on. And a servant girl, in verse 56, it says, A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with 
him. This man was with Jesus. And everybody can hear. Everybody's listening. Well, Peter, verse 57, it says, but he denied it. Woman, I, I, don't, I don't know him. Yeah, I'm, I don't know who that is. I'm just here to watch, you know, I'm just, I'm just checking what out. I just heard the, the, the noise and the, the activity. I've just come over to check things out. I love how in, in, in Mumbai, one of the, the funniest things about Mumbai is when something happens, people come out of nowhere to watch. If there's ever any sort of incident on, on the road, I don't know where people come from. They come from all over. But before you know it, there's 200 people watching everything that's going on. I think this was one of those kind of moments where they could hear the noise, they could hear the court in process, they could hear everything, they could hear the, the shouting of the soldiers and the beating of Jesus and everybody's come to watch and there's Peter in the midst of it. In verse 58 it says, A little later someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replies. About an hour later, still going on, Another asserted, certainly, certainly. <laughs> I've been looking at you for the last hour. Certainly this fellow was with him. But he is a Galilean, I can tell by his accent. Peter replies, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking. A rooster, well, the Bible says that, the cock crowed. And when that cock crows... It says in verse 61, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered what the Lord had spoken to him. He said, before the cock crows today, you will disown me three times. And, and, and he remembers that he had told Jesus, I will never deny you. I'm your best guy. I'm with you, Jesus, no matter what you go through. I'm there. I'm your guy, Jesus. You can count on me. And Jesus sternly told him. And Peter was offended by it. He said, You're gonna, you, you are going to fail me, Peter. You are even going to do even worse than just failing me. You're going to deny me before man. Peter said, no, I'm never going to do that. And Peter remembers what Jesus says. And in verse, in verse 62, it says he went outside. Peter goes outside and he just weeps bitterly at his failure. A dismal failure. Because he denies Jesus. This was Peter's failure. It was brought about by Peter's weakness. His weakness was that he had to prove to everyone that he was something. He had to be the first to speak because deep down in the depths of his heart, he didn't want to be hashtagged a failure. And he needed to prove it always. Don't we find ourselves doing that? Having to prove ourselves. Having to make up for our fears. Having to make up for our troubles and our mistakes. Those uncontrollable circumstances. Because really, in the depths of our heart, we don't like the fact that we would be marked by how we actually truly feel about ourselves. And Jesus allows this for Peter. So that Peter can actually seize it. He's outside weeping bitterly. But there's a good ending to this story. You see, after Jesus had risen, risen again, there's this beautiful picture where Peter, I guess he's just feeling like a failure, so he's like, I'm just going to go back fishing. I'm going to go back to what I did before Jesus called me. At least I'm good at that. 
At least it's fairly safe, it's fairly predictable. You put a net in the water, you catch fish and you pull the net back out and there's fish in the net. Well, Peter's having a bad day because he can't catch any fish. And, and Jesus comes along, he's risen again. Jesus comes along, he's on the shore. And, he, and let's pick it up uh, from, uh, it's in uh, John chapter 21. Let's pick it up from verse 4. He says, it says that early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, friends, haven't you any fish? I'm hungry. They don't know it's Jesus at this point. No, we haven't got any fish. We can't catch anything. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. I love how Jesus, whenever Jesus blesses us, he blesses us in abundance. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment round him, for he had taken it off. He was kind of in his speedos, fishing. And he jumped into the water. The other's disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were, far from, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred meters. When they landed, they saw a fire, burning of, of, a fire of burning coals there with fish on it, and there was some bread. So they're sitting there eating, enjoying the relationship with Jesus, enjoying the fact that he's risen again. Enjoying the fact that he's there and everything's back restored. But there was an elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room that Peter would have been thinking about as he's sitting there with Jesus was the fact that Peter had turned and denied him. And he would have been wondering, what does Jesus feel about this? Jesus, I think he senses this and he says to Peter, we pick it up from verse 15 in chapter 21 of John says, when they were finished eating, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than this fishing job that you've got here? Do you love me more than all of this fish that I've provided for you? He answers, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And it gets awkward. It gets difficult. Because Peter knows why Jesus is asking this. Jesus says, do you, do you love me? He said, Lord, you, you know all things. You know, you know my heart. You know what I truly think. You know I love you. He doesn't say this, but I'm sure his whole heart, his whole everything would have been going, I'm sorry I walked away from you. You know I love you. You know who I really am. And Jesus once again says, feed my sheep. Very truly, in verse 18, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, 
But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Follow me. The reason Jesus said that you would be led where you don't want to go and why it says in verse 19 that Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God was this. What Jesus was saying is, you, you Peter, you're going to die the same kind of death that I died. Which if you think about it, because Jesus had risen again and proven himself as Lord, as Christ, as the Messiah, would have been a great honour. It would have been the greatest thing you could do to do what Jesus had done. So Peter would have been astounded that Jesus would call him to such a high task. And he would have been shocked to know that Jesus didn't tag him by his failure. But it tagged him by his acceptance and by his purpose for him. That was the hashtag that Jesus had put on Peter's life. That was the hashtag that Peter had to learn. That regardless of his failure, regardless of his, his mistakes, regardless of his failed stuff in his world, Jesus still accepted him. He still loved him. And even more so, he still wanted to lead him in to his purpose for what he was born for. And here is the thing that Jesus wanted to teach Peter, that our greatest failures, if we remain in Christ, can actually turn around to be our greatest lessons. And this was Peter's greatest lesson. His greatest lesson was that his big mouth wasn't enough. That he couldn't overcome that feeling inside of himself that he was a failure by his mouth. He couldn't do it. What he needed to know was that Jesus accepted him anyway. And the fact is, is that's what we need to know. Because we all find ourselves in moments where even though we have our best intentions, we still let God down. We even let ourselves down. But when we turn to him, like Peter, when he realized that Jesus was there on the beach, he jumps straight in the water and just goes over to him. He's coming back to Christ. And we have an opportunity every week because life is difficult, life is hard to come back to Christ. We, we come back into this environment, into church. We get back on. That's why we do this every week. It's a time to jump in, reset the clock and say, okay, I got another week where I got to walk through. <coughs> Excuse me. We got another week and here I am in church. I'm jumping into relationship with Jesus again. And every time you're going to find acceptance. And every time you're going to find Jesus calling you into purpose. Because that's what he's like. That's his true nature. So the best thing to realize and how you can apply this into your life is through the troubles, through the failures, through those moments where you've let, you feel you've let God down, ask this. Say, is Jesus trying to show me something here? 
Jesus, what are you trying to show me in all of this? And he'll show you. And through all of that, you've got to remember Jesus. Because he sees your failure, just like he saw Peter's failure. He saw it, clear. But he doesn't want to mark you by your failure. He wants to teach you by your failure. He wants to teach you and cause growth in your life by your weakness, by the stuff that you can't overcome. That is where your greatest lessons lie. Ask, is Jesus trying to teach me something? Don't be marked by failure, but be marked by learning. Be marked by Christ teaching you some things about your, lo- your world, your purpose, your life, and what He's calling to you, you too. And you're going to find yourself growing as you do that. So if you were to hashtag your life, I guess what you could probably put, two hashtags. One, accepted. Two, learning. I'm accepted by Christ but I'm still learning. He's teaching me. And I'm failing forward, not backwards. I'm not getting stuck in my moments, but I'm moving forward. Because I know that my mistakes don't mark me. In fact, my mistakes, the stuff where I can't control, where I'm messing up, are my greatest lessons. The Holy Spirit is guiding me through those things. While I'm in prayer, When I go to the Word, I'm seeking out God's lessons, what He wants to teach me. And He accepts me, He loves me, and He's showing me the way. Amen. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital, where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at c3mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi. 